that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Wherever you may be 
you may feel separated from the presence of God that we're not gathered in, in a church. But a church is not a building. A church is a, is a gathering of people. It's a people that have been called by God. It's a people in whom God dwells by His Spirit. And where you are is where God is. Would you have the ability, have the power, have the strength that your eyes would be open, that your ears would be open to God's incredible presence, to His incredible nearness to you, even now as we sing this truth. Let's sing this last verse, where you abide.
Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Women's Bible Study. If I have not yet met you, my name is Jill. I am one of the women's and community life pastors at Christian Assembly Church, and it is so great to be with you. Before we jump in with our teaching for today, I want to make a quick announcement and let you guys know that our women's ministry is so excited for something coming up next month. We are calling it our Women's Worship and Prayer Night. We have two nights available and two ways for you to participate. So you can join us online or you can join us in person outside on our Christian Assembly Church campus. We'll be doing social distancing. Masks will be required. Um, and it, it will just be a time for us to get together as women to worship together, to give our thanksgiving to God, and to give him our requests and to pray for each other and to pray for the world around us. So we would love for you to join us. You do need to RSVP. The spots for our in-person events are limited. The spots for online are unlimited but you can get more information or you can RSVP on our website. The website link should be on your screen. So we hope to see you guys there. Please invite a ton of people, a ton of women you know to join us. We're so excited for that. Well, as we get started today, I want to begin with some good news. And I want to ask you, ladies, what is good in your life? I know that right now there is a lot that may be going on that's challenging for us personally or that's challenging in the world around us. But what's good? What's good in your home or your family or your workplace? What's good in your walk with the Lord? What is God doing in your life right now? For me, 
something good over these past several months has been time with my kids. I talk about my kids all the time because I love them so much, but I have two boys. They're twins. They're age four. Their names are Hudson and Finley, and I just think that they are the most delightful, hilarious, sweet boys I, I've ever met. I love being a mom and I love spending extra time with my kids in this season. Something else that's been good is recently my husband and I and our kids, we had the opportunity to move into a different home. And this home has a lot more space. It's a lot bigger. It's got central air conditioning and it has just been such a blessing to be in this new home. Something else that's good, something that's really good is that recently my husband and I had the privilege and the honor to get to sit with one of our family members and pray with her as she decided to make a commitment to give her life to Jesus Christ. And it was such an honor and such a privilege to sit with her. And we are just so excited for her new life in Christ. And so that's just some of the good things going on in my life. But I like when good things happen and I like to share those good things with people. And I think we all feel similarly. I think we all enjoy when good things happen and we also enjoy sharing those good things. We enjoy sharing the good news in our lives with those around us. We love to tell people the good news when it's like, hey, I got engaged or I'm pregnant or I got a new job or I got promoted at work or here's a milestone that my kid just, you know, hit or um, when we have an answered prayer, the good news that God spoke to us or showed up in some way. We love to share good news with others. We love sharing good news and yet Oftentimes for us as Christ followers, for those of us who have heard and responded to the good news of Jesus and who believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, oftentimes we feel hesitant or even reluctant to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. And maybe we're afraid, maybe we don't think it's our place, maybe we don't feel ready, but for whatever reason, it is so easy for us to hesitate to sharing the good news of Jesus. But if the good news of Jesus is really good news, and it is good news, then what keeps us from sharing it more readily with everyone we meet everywhere that we go? God's word tells us that if you are a Christ follower, then you are commanded to make disciples. And a big piece of making disciples is sharing the good news of Jesus with others. And sharing the good news of Jesus is not just reserved for a certain group of Christ followers or certain people, but sharing the good news of Jesus is the role and responsibility of every person who has said yes to Jesus Christ. We are called as Christ followers to be evangelists. And it's easy to shy away from that term and think, no, 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 not me. I'm not an evangelist. I could never do evangelism. That, that's not a role for me. But to be an evangelist simply means to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. In this session of Women's Bible Study, you have been reading and studying in the book of Acts. And you have been talking with your Bible study groups and reading and studying about what it means to be the church. And I want to encourage us and challenge us today with the truth that if you want to be the church, you have to learn how to be an evangelist. If you want to learn to be the church, you have to learn how to be an evangelist. And that doesn't mean that you have to travel to some far off country, though some of you may do that. But it does mean we have to go somewhere 
to someone and share the good news of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to look at Acts chapter 8 to see what we can learn about our role as evangelists and how God might want to use us to share the good news of Jesus with others. But before we jump in, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of women's Bible study, for the gift of our Bible study leaders and every woman who has said yes to participating and being part of women's Bible study. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for all that you are teaching our women in this season of studying the book of Acts. Lord, I pray for all those listening and participating. I pray that you would speak to them, that you would encourage them, that you would challenge them, God, and that your Holy Spirit would speak and move in mighty ways through this talk, through your word as we read from Acts 8, and God, just that you would move and speak to each of these women, Lord, myself included. God, we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So here is how Acts chapter 8 begins. I'm going to read verse 1 and then 4 through 5. That day a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Now those who were scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. So the church is being persecuted, and as a result of that persecution, the believers are scattered. And to be scattered simply means that they are displaced or dispersed. But notice what the scattering leads to. The scattering leads to mission and purpose. Acts doesn't say that those who were scattered went from place to place complaining about how they'd been scattered and longing to find a way back to where they came from. But instead, Acts says those who were scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word. They used the opportunity that they were in to share the good news with others. And notice where the believers were scattered. Acts says they were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And in order to understand the importance of this, we have to remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 before he ascended to heaven. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the believers were scattered, they found themselves in two of the places where Jesus said that they would be his witnesses, and they didn't let persecution stop them from sharing the good news. Acts says that those who were scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word, or other translations will say preaching the word. And we can hear this and think, well, that's great, but I'm not a preacher. I could never preach the word. I could never do what these people did. But what if you don't have to be a preacher to do what these believers did? Theologian John Stott says, the statement that the believers preach the word is misleading. The Greek expression does not necessarily mean more than shared the good news. The believers shared the good news. One commentary says, we shouldn't think that those who left Jerusalem left as formal preachers. Most were accidental missionaries who talked about Jesus wherever they went. Could the same be said of us? Do we talk about Jesus wherever we go? 
So at this point in the story, the church is being persecuted and the believers have been scattered. One of those believers is a man named Philip. And Philip, this Philip, isn't one of the original 12 apostles, though there was an apostle named Philip. But this is a different Philip. And in this story we are about to read, we see God move through this one individual named Philip in order to share the gospel with another individual. And I think this story gives us so much that we can learn about how to be evangelist and how to share the good news with people in our own everyday lives. So here's what Acts chapter 8 says starting in verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And then, as the story continues, we read that Philip baptizes the eunuch, the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing, and Philip continues to preach the gospel. So I want to point out three things that we can learn from this story in Acts chapter 8. Three things that I hope will encourage and challenge us to be Christ followers who do evangelism and who share the good news with others. First, be quick to obey God. Be quick to obey God. When God speaks to us and when he gives us opportunity to share faith, we can tend to be hesitant or slow to act. But Philip is anything but slow. Philip does exactly what God asks him to do. When the angel tells Philip to go to the road, he goes. When the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go to the eunuch's chariot and join in the eunuch's chariot, he goes. And Philip doesn't just go, but Acts tells us that he runs to the chariot. He doesn't hesitate or pause or even walk, but he runs to the chariot. Now, maybe Philip thought that this would be an opportunity to share faith, or maybe he didn't, or maybe he hoped it would be, but either way, Philip ran to the opportunity that God was presenting to him. And the fact that he runs makes me think that Philip is willing to do whatever God asks whenever God asks. And it makes me think that he's not just willing, but he is eager. He's excited. He is so ready that it causes him to run. When God puts opportunities before us, especially opportunities to share our faith and to share the good news with those who don't know Christ, what is our typical response? Do you tend to say no? Do you tend to hesitate? Do you walk slowly or do you run toward those sorts of opportunities? Do you run toward them the way Philip ran toward what God was inviting him to? Who are the people in your life that if you're honest, 
you don't want to go to them, or you're afraid to share the good news, or you have all these reasons as to why it's not your place, or it's not the right time to share faith with them. If God brought to your mind right now someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus, and he asked you to go, jump in that person's chariot and share faith with them, would you? Would you go, and how readily would you go? Would you run as fast as you could? And I also want to say, for those of us, for those of you who are running towards these opportunities, for those of you who are running toward opportunities to share your faith with others, way to go. Keep doing the work of an evangelist. Keep doing what you've been doing. I trust that God is using you in mighty ways to share faith with others and to preach and proclaim the good news and that he is working in and through you. Because I haven't been inside a coffee shop for many months now. Truth be told, I don't think I've been inside an actual coffee shop since before COVID hit many, many months ago. But in our pre-COVID days, I used to spend a lot of time in coffee shops. And I would mostly spend a lot of time there because I had a lot of meetings inside coffee shops. And so one of the things that I really enjoyed doing over the last many years was I liked to get to know the name of the barista who was taking my order or the person talking to me at the cash register or the person working there in the coffee shop. And so I would try to connect with the barista or the people who were working there. And there was this one day, there was a barista who I knew, he and I had chatted before we knew each other's names, but I was in a conversation with him. I was on my way out of the coffee shop and this thought came to my mind. And the thought was something along the lines of, you should invite him to our upcoming holiday service at church. And I don't remember if it was Easter or Christmas at that point, but I just thought, you should invite him. And I remember having that thought, but if I'm honest, I, I hesitated. I was reluctant to act on that thought. And so I walked back out to my car, and I still had this strong sense that I should invite him to our upcoming service. And I even had invitations to our holiday service in my car, invitations that our church had specifically designed to encourage each of us to invite people to come to church. And so I was nervous and I was probably so awkward in doing this, but I grabbed one of those invitations. I walked back inside. I walked up to the barista. And again, I probably seemed nervous nervous and a little bit awkward, but I gave him the invite and I invited him to church. And here's the thing. I don't know if he ever came to church. I don't know how he responded to that. And the other truth is I, I was a bit reluctant, but I also didn't say no to what I felt God inviting me to do. I would say I more slow walked towards that opportunity as I went back into the coffee shop and invited him to our church. And again, I don't know if he ever came. I don't know how his response was to that, but I trust that I was being faithful to do what I felt God asking me to do, and I'm gonna trust God to do the rest. And I hope that that was a seed that God will use in that barista's life. Um, you guys, Philip ran toward the opportunity that God gave him. And maybe like me with that barista, maybe you're not ready to run. Maybe you just need to take a baby step. Maybe you need to slow walk. And the more you slow walk, the more you're going to be ready to run and run and run. Where in your life are you intentionally sharing faith with others? And where in your life are you hesitant or letting fear stop you from sharing the good news of Jesus?
May we run toward opportunities to share faith with others, trusting that God is with us and that he wants to use us. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you for the work that he wants you to do, for the work of evangelism and sharing the good news with others. It is God's spirit that changes lives and that changes hearts and that draws people to Jesus. May we, like Philip, be quick to obey God. Second, if you want to learn how to share the good news, you have to learn how to ask good questions. If you want to learn how to share the good news, you have to learn how to ask good questions. Philip starts the conversation with the eunuch by asking him a question. He hears him reading from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And notice, Philip doesn't assume the guy doesn't understand. He doesn't assume he knows what the guy understands or what he doesn't, but he asks a question to help him figure out what the guy understands, what he believes, and what he doesn't. Questions are so important and so helpful when it comes to sharing the good news. Asking questions helps us get to know people. It helps us understand where they're coming from, what they believe, what they don't believe. If you want to learn how to share the good news, then you have to learn how to ask good questions. And so I want to give us a few good, but really simple, you guys. These are simple questions, but I want to give us a few good, but simple questions that you you can use to start to initiate faith conversations and to have faith conversations with others. So one question, what do you believe about Jesus? It's clear, it's simple, it's to the point. Ask people flat out, what do you believe about Jesus? Have you read any of the Bible? It is so helpful to ask people what their experience with the Bible has been. It's helpful to know if the person you're talking to has a lot of experience with the Bible, if they have little to no experience with the Bible. Another question is, what has your spiritual journey been like? Or what is your experience with church been like? And then finally, one of my all-time favorite questions to ask people when I'm in a conversation with someone who doesn't know Jesus, one of my favorite questions to ask is this, what are your obstacles to faith in Jesus? What is keeping you from saying yes to Jesus? One of the things I most love about this question is that it helps you understand the person and understand what is keeping them from saying yes to Jesus. Because what keeps one person from saying yes to Jesus isn't the same thing that keeps another person from saying yes to Jesus. For some people, their obstacles are intellectual or scientific. For other people, it's that they haven't read enough or any of the Bible and they don't know enough about Jesus to make a decision about him. For others, it might be a negative or a painful experience that they have had in the church. But when we ask what people's obstacles are, it helps us get to know them and where they're at in their faith journey. And then it also helps us to know how to, how to help guide and direct the conversation with them. It helps us know some helpful resources or Bible verses that we can point them to. And the hope is that we would help people that we would partner with God, but that we would help people overcome their obstacles one by one and help them move closer and closer to saying yes to Jesus. I shared earlier how my husband and I recently had the privilege and the honor and the joy and sitting with a of sitting with a family member as she gave her life to Jesus. And it was such an honor to be with her. But please know, this was not a one-time conversation. This was a conversation we had had with her several times. We had initiated many conversations with her. We had prayed with her. We had prayed for her. 
And so this was not a one-time conversation, but the day did come where she was ready to give her life to Christ. And she basically said to us, I know what my hangups are, and it was good to identify them. So she knew what her obstacles were. And then she basically said, at this point, there isn't anything standing in my way, and I think I just need to take a leap of faith. And then she gave her life to Jesus, and we got to sit and pray with her as she gave her life to Christ and received new life in Jesus. When you find yourself in conversations about faith, how much do you find yourself asking questions versus giving answers? As Christ followers, we do have answers. We don't have all the answers, but we do have some of the answers. We actually have the best answer ever, which is Jesus. So we do have some answers to give people. But one of the best ways to engage in faith conversations is to start the way Philip started, to start with a question. One of the best things we can do is ask people questions to get to know them and their journey and what God is doing in their lives. So what questions can you begin to ask of people in your life that would help you get to know them spiritually and that might lead to intentional conversations about faith. If we want to learn to share the good news, then we have to learn how to ask good questions. And then third, and finally, people are waiting for you to share the good news. So what are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? When Philip asks the eunuch if he understands what he's reading, the man responds to say, how can I unless someone guides me? In essence, he's saying, of course I don't understand because I don't have anyone to guide me. I don't have anyone to teach me. I don't have anyone to explain it to me. The eunuch is seeking. He is reading God's word but he doesn't have anyone to come alongside him and help explain things to him. He is waiting for someone to share the good news about Jesus. His question to Philip reminds me of something that we read in the book of Romans in chapter 14. Verses 14 and 15 say, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And ladies, I want you to hear me say today that if you are a Christ follower, if you have given your life to Jesus, whether you made that decision two decades ago, two weeks ago, two days ago, you are called to be a bringer and a sharer of the good news. You are called to share the good news of Jesus with others. I think sometimes we assume that people don't want to hear the good news. We assume that people aren't interested in Christianity or the Bible. But I want to challenge us to reframe our thinking on this. Rather than thinking no one is interested or, well, if they were interested, they'd come to me or they'd ask me questions or they'd ask to come to church with me. Instead of thinking that way, what if we shift our thinking and instead we think, there are women and men in our everyday lives and around the world who are waiting for us to share the good news with them. They are waiting for us, just like that eunuch was waiting for someone to come and help explain and share the good news to him. And for those who aren't interested, for those who maybe don't know that they're waiting, maybe God wants to use us to help stir curiosity and to help stir an interest in them, to help them want to seek God.
Philip went to the eunuch. He didn't wait for the eunuch to come to him. Philip started the conversation with the eunuch. He didn't wait for the eunuch to start the conversation with him. The eunuch was waiting for someone to share Jesus with him. And there are people in your life and my life who are waiting for us to share the good news with them. There are people waiting for us to invite them to church or to our women's Bible study group or to read God's word with us and learn who Jesus is. So the question remains, what are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? If we're honest, ladies, I think there are several things that cause us to wait. And maybe you'll resonate with one or all of these, but I just want to highlight a few of the key reasons I think that a lot of us find ourselves waiting or hesitating to share the good news of Jesus with others. For some of you, you're afraid. You're afraid to say the wrong thing or you're afraid of losing a friendship, but don't let fear stop you from sharing the good news with others. God's invitation throughout the Bible is do not be afraid. Trust that God is with you and that you are not alone. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you as you step out in faith to share the good news of Jesus with others. Our role is to share and be witnesses to Christ. And it is God's role to work in a person's heart and to change their life. For some, you're worried that you don't have all the answers. But let me just tell you, none of us has all the answers. I could tell you countless stories of times that I have sat with people and they have asked me questions and I have used over and over again the same three-word answer. I have said, I don't know. Oh, good question. I, I don't know. I don't know. It is totally okay to say you don't know. That is a part of the learning and the growing process. And then what you can do with those things that you don't know, you can go back and you can learn the answer. You can talk to people you trust. You can go to God's word. You can research it. And then you can go back to that person and say, hey, here is what I learned. Let's talk about this now. For some of you, you just don't feel prepared. And if that's you, if you know Jesus, but you do not feel prepared or equipped to share the good news, then I want to encourage you kindly but firmly to get prepared. Get prepared, ladies. 1 Peter 3.15 says, If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. It doesn't say sometimes be ready to explain it. It doesn't say you know, it, it doesn't say sometimes, it says always, always be ready to explain it, to explain the hope that you have in Christ. And if you don't feel ready, then I would encourage you to get ready by reading books on evangelism. Read God's word, study it, learn it. The more that you are in God's word, the more that you will feel ready and equipped to share his word with others. And also talk to people in your life who are good at evangelism. Ask people that you know and trust to teach you how to do evangelism. Over a decade ago, I was leading a women's life group and we had a gal come to our life group who didn't know Jesus. And I, along with several other friends in our life group, we were sharing faith with her. We were talking to her about her obstacles to faith. We were in conversations with her. But to be honest, I didn't feel totally equipped and ready to have those conversations. So I 
sat down with someone in the life of our church who I trust and who I respect. And this is someone who was doing evangelism and is still doing evangelism to this day. And I said, can you please teach me, like teach me how to have these conversations, teach me how to share the good news with others. And I learned from him, get prepared, get equipped, be ready for these conversations and pray for these conversations. Pray that God would equip you and that he would make you ready and that he would open doors for conversations like this. Sometimes we shy away from evangelism because we don't know the person. Sometimes people will say, well, I really prefer relational evangelism. I like to share my faith with people that I've known for years or that I'm already in an existing relationship with. And please hear me say this, ladies, there is great value in already having an existing relationship with someone. But I also want to remind us that that story we read in Acts chapter 8, when Philip Philip went to the eunuch's chariot, they didn't have an existing relationship. God called Philip to go share faith with that man. And at that point, they were strangers. They, they didn't know each other. They didn't have an existing relationship. And yet Philip was still able to hop in that man's chariot, explain God's word to him, share faith with him. And then that man gave his life to Jesus and was eventually baptized and went off rejoicing because of his faith in Jesus. So just because you don't know the person doesn't mean you can't share faith with him. Don't believe the lie that you have to be in an already existing relationship with someone to be able to share the good news with them. And then finally, sometimes we wait to share the good news because we simply don't see ourselves as evangelists. We don't think that it's our role. We think, well, I'm not an evangelist. I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I could never do that. And look, the Bible does talk about the spiritual gift of evangelism and how God does give the spiritual gift of evangelism to some Christ followers. But regardless of whether or not you or I have the spiritual gift of evangelism, every Christ follower is commanded to make disciples. And you can't make disciples without sharing Jesus with people. And sharing Jesus with people is just another way of saying that you're doing evangelism. If you don't think that you're an evangelist, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, I just, I'm not an evangelist. I don't think I could be an evangelist. Maybe you're not an evangelist because you've never done evangelism. Maybe you're not an evangelist because you've never shared your faith with someone. It's kind of like this. I am not a runner because I don't run. But if I started running, and please hear me say I have no interest in running and no plans to start running. But if I started running, I would be a runner because I started running. So if you feel like you're not an evangelist, but you want to grow in that and you want to take seriously this call from God to do the work of evangelism, you can be an evangelist. You just got to pray and you got to start doing it and ask God to show up and put opportunities before you. If you're not an evangelist today, it's not because you can't be an evangelist. It's not because God doesn't want to use you. It's not because there is absolutely no one in your life who needs to hear the good news. It's most likely because you just haven't chosen yet to do the work of evangelism and to share the good news with others. Pray for opportunities to share faith with others. Pray that God would bring more and more people into your life that don't know Christ. Pray that God would use you to lead someone to Christ this year. Pray that he would use you to lead someone to Christ in your women's 
this Bible study group. Pray for your friends and your family and your coworkers who don't know Jesus. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be at work in their lives, that he would open their eyes and their hearts to him and who Jesus is and that they would say yes to Jesus, that God would remove their obstacles to faith. Pray, 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 and then go out and share the good news and trust God to do the rest. People are waiting for us. People are waiting for Christ followers like you and I. They're waiting for us to stop waiting and to start sharing the good news. If you want to be the church, if we want to be the church, we have to learn how to be an evangelist and start sharing the good news with those around us. So what are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? Ladies, let's commit to being a church that doesn't wait to share the good news, but instead, let's be a church that can't wait to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone, everywhere. Ladies, I want to give us two ways to respond to God's word and to what we've been talking about today. And I want to speak to two different groups of people. First, I want to speak to those of you who are listening and watching, and you are a Christ follower. You have said yes to Jesus. You have responded to the good news of Jesus and committed your life to him as your Lord and Savior. If you are a Christ follower, what keeps you, if anything, what keeps you from sharing faith with others? Who is someone in your life that doesn't know Christ, that you could initiate a conversation about faith with? Pray and ask God to bring to your mind right now the names of men and women in your life that don't know Jesus, that you could initiate and start a faith conversation with. What would it look like to start a conversation about faith with them simply by asking questions? What are some of the questions you could ask to have conversations with your friends about faith? And remember that as you step out, as you pray, as you share the good news, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. It is God's Spirit that changes lives. It is God's Spirit that changes hearts. It is God's Spirit that draws people to Jesus Christ. It is His Spirit at work in and through us and at work in and through the lives of those who we get to share with. And then to the second group, if you are here and you have never said yes to Jesus, maybe you're investigating faith, maybe a friend invited you, maybe you're not interested or seeking at all, but you would say you have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. I want to ask you this question, and I shared this question earlier. What are your obstacles to faith? What keeps you from saying yes to Jesus? For those of you who might say, hey, look, one of my obstacles is, is just I haven't read enough of the Bible. I, I haven't read much or I haven't read any of the Bible. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know how to say yes to Jesus because I don't even know what or who I'm saying yes to. If that's you, I want to encourage you, start reading the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible for free. There will be an email address listed on the screen. And if you send us an email, we will send you a Bible in the mail. We would love to gift that to you. And and when you get your Bible or if you have one at home, I would encourage you to start reading in the book of John. The book of John is, is in the New Testament. 
in the Bible and it is a great place to start to help you learn who Jesus is, what his life and death and ministry was all about and how his life and death and ministry impacts you and how it impacts us. So start reading the Bible. And then also, if you don't know Jesus yet, pray. Even if you don't know what you think about God or what you think about prayer, just try praying. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Pray and ask God to show up. Say, God, if you're real, if Jesus is who the Bible says he is, if, if he is the savior of the world, then would you reveal that to me? Would you show up for me? Would you show me without a doubt who Jesus is? And then help me to place my trust and my faith in Jesus. Pray as well that God would send a Philip into your life, that God would send someone into your life who, who doesn't have all the answers because none of us do, but that he would send someone into your life who can help to guide you and walk with you as you investigate faith in Jesus. Maybe you have never heard the good news of Jesus, and I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. Or maybe there is nothing keeping you from saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you know what your obstacles are. You've identified them. To be honest, they're not really obstacles anymore, and you just need to take that step of faith, take that step of faith, and give your life to Jesus. I want to share the good news of Jesus with us, and then I want to give anyone who is ready an opportunity to respond and say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now. And so wherever you are, you can bow your heads and you can pray. All of us are sinners. All of us have messed up and made mistakes and the penalty for sin is death. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sin so that we don't have to. Jesus went to the cross and took our sin upon him and all who believe in the name of Jesus, all who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be saved. We will be forgiven of our sin, made right with God, and we will receive the free gift of eternal life in and through Christ Jesus. And that is good news. That is the good news. If you want forgiveness for your sins, if you want to be made right with God, if you are ready to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you can do that right now. I'm going to pray, and if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you can just repeat this prayer aloud after me. God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to save me from my sin. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I commit to following you, God, all the days of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, we are so excited. We celebrate with all of you who prayed that prayer for the first time and gave your life to Jesus Christ. You are saved. You are made right with God and you have received the free gift of eternal life in and through Christ Jesus. We are so excited for your new life in Christ. Ladies, if you made that decision, we would love to follow up with you and celebrate with you. There will be an email address on the screen. Would you just email letting us know that 
that you made a decision to give your life to Christ. And I will personally follow up with you. I would love to connect with you and just get to know you and hear more of your story. We would also love to send you a Bible in the mail. So please email us. Let us know if you made that decision. And then ladies, if you're here and you're hearing the good news and you haven't said yes to Jesus and you're still investigating faith, we are so glad that you're here. And we just want you to know we want to partner with you and walk with you as you investigate faith. So you can also send us an email just to say, hey, I've got some questions. I'm not ready to say yes yet. I'm investigating faith. But if you want to talk with one of our pastors, we would love to chat with you. So please send us an email. Let me close us in prayer. God, thank you so much for the good news of all that you have done for us, God. Thank you for the good news of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Thank you, God, for the new life you have given to every person who has said yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, thank you for the new life that begins when we give our lives to you, but also that continues into eternity. Thank you, God, that there is a day coming where there will be no more pain or suffering, where we will get to be with you forever, God, forever, free of pain, free of suffering, free of the sin of this world. God, I pray for those who have given their life to you and made that commitment for the first time, that you would strengthen them, that you would equip them, Lord, that you would keep Keep building faith in them, God, and that you would just help them to grow more and more in their trust in you, Jesus. For anyone who's investigating faith in you, would you reveal yourself to them, show yourself to them, and help them to keep getting to know you and to say yes to you, Jesus. And for all those who have said yes to you, Jesus, make us evangelists. Help us to be the church by being evangelists. Give us great enthusiasm and excitement to be evangelists. Use each of us to share faith with others and to get to help lead people to know you, Jesus. God, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, ladies, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so great to be with you, and thanks for being with us at Women's Bible Study.